This is a warning. You cannot have rapid growth and massive profits at the same time. And everybody's gonna try, but it doesn't exist. Amazon wasn't profitable forever. Why? Because they wanted to keep growing. They had a total big picture mission and they kept just reinvesting. Growth is expensive. Take that disclaimer, put it in the back of your head. Now I'm gonna teach you the model. The model is this. brand new episode of the Eight Figure Agency Show, where a successful entrepreneur and a soon-to-be-successful entrepreneur help you build an eight-figure agency by documenting our successes and failures. Absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, we are going to be shooting episode 10, and I'm excited about today because we're going to talk about how to actually structure your agency, and we're going to be going over four topics. The last topic of t- the timing of hiring and capacity of your team, that's probably the most important, so make sure you stick around for that. And then also, make sure that you leave a review. Wherever you're listening right now, we really need your reviews to help us to keep making these podcasts. And so if you're listening on YouTube or Spotify or Apple, wherever you're listening, just go and hit the review button. It takes 10 seconds. You can literally do it and still listen to the show. If you guys are into shorter form content, definitely check us out on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube Shorts. We put a lot of content out daily, bite-sized information, that's easy to consume. Without further ado, uh, this is going to be a a really hot episode. I personally need a lot of support around this. And really, you know, as you're growing your agency, how do you structure it? How do you make sure that your team is set up for success? How do you promote people? How do they make sure the team communicates properly? I think the first thing, Gary, that's really important to me and for a lot of other people, how do you give people proper titles and promote people as your company grows? This is such a good question, and I have failed so many times on this front of giving people the wrong titles that it actually, if you don't do it properly, you will fail, and you'll set your team up for failure. So let me tell you the wrong way to do it. The wrong way to do it is if you and I start an agency, and we hire three or four people, and I say, well, I'm the CEO, and you're the COO, and you're the CFO, and you build your whole C-suite out, that's not really the right way to do it because you really don't have C-suite talent yet. Now, you can keep the CEO title if you want because that helps you as far as sales and marketing and things like that. But outside of that, you need to really start from the bottom and build your way up. So you you need to kind of go opposite of what your gut's going to tell you of giving everybody the highest title possible. Once you give somebody that high title, taking that title away is almost impossible and you're going to have to do it at some point because you're going to outgrow that person or the position's going to outgrow them and it's going to be really, really hard to take that away from them. So you don't want to give people these really high titles, okay? So that's number one. So right off the bat, it's going to be you're a sales manager, not the vice president of sales. <laughs> you are, right? Like that, that's really, Big really difference. important. Huge difference, right? The other thing is, is that with promotions, once you get your team in, is you want to, when somebody has the capacity to be able to lead, which we've talked about this in previous episodes, where we don't want to promote people who are just good at the thing. So as we'll use the video editor last time. If someone on your team is the most amazing video editor, the, the natural instinct is to say, you are a great video editor, so let's promote you. Yeah, And we'll make you the manager of all the video editors. The problem is they probably don't have the skill set that makes them a good manager yet. Now they can learn it. People can learn it, but not everybody can learn it. It is a skill set that you can grow and get better at, but not everybody's good at dealing with people. So you really want to make sure that they have the capacity to lead people and how you do that outside of training. There's tons of training. You can just Google it leadership training, things like that. But outside of that, 
you want to give them an opportunity to lead projects. So let me give you an example. You might have a new client coming in and it's different than anything you've ever done before. And you might tell them, hey, I'm going to give you a little team. It's going to be you, one other editor and one, one other account exec. And I want you to lead this. You're the leader on it. And here's the outcome that I desire and when I desire it. And let them go lead it. Don't give them a title change. Don't give them a pay increase. Don't give them anything. Just say, I'm giving you this opportunity. I want to see how you perform. Where we make the mistake is that we give them the title change and we give them the promotion and pay before they actually show us that they can do that work. And that's actually bad for them because if they fail, you have to take that back from them. And more than likely, you're going to lose that good person on your team. So Gary, there's two things that stuck out to me as a, somebody in the position where I need to figure out how to do just this. And it just blew my mind. It's so simple, but like, I've been thinking about how do I come into a place, right? Like, okay, now I have systems, right? I have processes. I need people to fulfill it. But how do I transition these people the right way where I can step back from communicating with all the clients? I can step back from overseeing all the editing. I can step back from doing it. And, and you know, fill in the blanks for whatever it is for your agency, right? And I'm just using mine as an mm -hmm. example. That just blew my mind. So you're saying... Find a person. It doesn't even have to be somebody on your team, right? It could be a new person. Give them a lower title. You don't have to call them senior vice president of communicator, whatever. That's just yeah. insane, right? Start them low. Mm -hmm. Give them a decent pay, but don't give them like your ceiling pay. We're like, hey, now you're like yep. an exec level or whatever it is. Give them, you know, a new client comes in and test it out. Say, hey, I'm going to put you to manage this editing thing. I'm going to put you to manage the whole project and make sure that the deliverables are done. And here is the result that I want to have done. Basically, what I'm doing now for all the clients, just take one client, test it, put that process in place with those people. Don't give them a crazy title. Don't give them any crazy promotion. Just say, hey, try this out. If it works, then come to the point where, hey, let's talk about a bigger title. Let's talk about a bigger salary increase. Am I yes. understanding that framework correct? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And you always want to allow for upward movement. Now, as you get bigger and you are able to pay people larger salaries, when you start moving into $100,000 a year, $200,000 a year, then you are going to bring in people with bigger titles and they're going to be able to lead out in positions because they have that experience. But as you're first starting out and you're building your agency, you're just not going to have access to that kind of title, that kind of talent. So you don't want to be giving people titles that don't line up with that. Because again, if your business blows up, you're going to have to put people over the top of them. So if you've already put vice presidents in at every position, now you're having to hire executive suites to go over the top of them or demote them. Got it. So basically make sure that you don't over-inflate the titles in the beginning. You know, Give them reasonable titles, reasonable compensation, but don't go to a level where like, hey, there is no ceiling here and now it's hard to put somebody above you even though we know it needs to be done. I think one thing in addition to that, Gary, is this question. What if you're in a position where you didn't necessarily give anybody really high titles, but you went a little bit high on the salary? What do you do then? Because it's really hard to say, hey, I can't pay you as yeah. much, let no, me you demote can't. you. Yeah, no, you can't do that. So you have to explain to them that, hey, I started out and I paid you more and then you just can't pay other people quite as much right when you bring them into that position but it's really hard there's also legalities in that as well so you have to be careful of that so I would say talk to an HR expert but you you have to be really really careful with that so so I'm not going to give like a ton of legal advice because there are rules in every different state of, of how how you fairly pay everybody and things like that. I do want to add one thing, and this has been a big help for me as a smaller agency as I scale and grow. 
Um, don't underestimate the power of a good contractor because you can put anybody on a 1099 contractor role and give them the opportunity to grow and then eventually work them into a W-2 position, which just means a full-time employee. Everybody on my team right now is a contractor, right? But they're treated as if they're here full-time because that's what they're paid to do, right? But they still have control of their time and, you know, they have their deliverables and if they meet the deliverables, they're good to go. I guess off of that, Gary, in the position of, if it's not a W-2, if it's a contractor, right? But they're a part of your team and a salary is too high, what, what do you do? Well, if so let's back up a little bit. So I started off hiring everybody as contractors as well, but there's there's some legalities around that. There's a very strict rule on hiring people as contractors, and so you have to be mindful of those rules. And mm. I'm not an expert in that area and I'm not a lawyer. So I won't Got go it. down that road, but assuming that you're following all those rules, contractors are different because their job is just to have a deliverable. That's it. And where an employee is more accountable by time and and th- that side of things. So if you've overpaid somebody, you've kind of set yourself up for failure. And that's we're actually going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode. And so I, I'm, we're going to dive deep into that. Awesome. Um, the, other, the other thing that we're going to talk about in a moment is how to structure your org chart to keep yourself out of trouble. But I, I, before we dive into those, I want, to, I want to talk about how to have horizontal department communication because we we actually asked our discord community it's full of agencies we have about 500 people in there and we asked them what what topics do you want to talk about and one of the top things that kept coming up over and over and over again is how does our team communicate within itself how does one group communicate with the next group and people get really stressed out because as a CEO yourself, Derek, everybody knows that it's safe to bring the information up to you. And if you have seven departments and everybody's bringing everything up to you all the time and you're making the shot and you're saying, you're calling the shot, you're saying, Hey, make sure you do this and make sure you do that. That doesn't make for smooth transition between the departments because you're sitting over the top of them. So again, it's that flat org chart, but it's flowing up instead of across that's really bad and it can get you into a lot of trouble and also create a really rocky onboarding and a really rocky client experience. So what you want is you want your departments to be able to communicate to each other rather than always up. Now, how you do that is you have to create a framework for your team to be able to work through that. And what that looks like is right now your your client is people who listen to uh, or people who produce podcasts right so that's your that's your client and everybody on your team knows that but now what you need to do is you need to create an internal client and this is a totally different way of thinking so each department has a client inside of the company and you have to figure out who that client is so like at SMC our internal client is our CSM, the client success managers or account executives or account managers, whatever you want to call them. So those that, that department has to communicate directly to the client. So when the client wins, that that department is heavily celebrated. When the client loses and they get mad and they're yelling and they're just like, why'd you guys do that? Who do they yell at? They yeah. yell at that department. So they either win or lose on a large scale But so that means the other departments are kind of insulated from that. So I'll just give an example. Our marketing department doesn't really have to talk to the client too much. So they are protected by the client success managers. So that means the marketing department's client is actually the client success managers. And the client success managers have to put pressure on the marketing department to give them the deliverables that they need to ensure that the client is successful. 
And so there's a tug and pull between those, a natural tug and pull between those two departments. And then there's other supportive departments that support marketing, that they they support marketing as their client. And so you have to figure out who your internal client is. And then there's supportive roles. So supportive roles are like shared services, like IT. So we have an IT department who every they every department is their client. And they're just there to say, what do you guys need? How do I support you? HR is the same way. What, do, what does each department need? How do I support you? So you have supportive roles that go to each department and then you have a internal client and you have a pecking order of how that works and who's supporting who. Got it. So let me make sure that I understood properly and you know, for the audience, break it down a little bit further. So you're basically saying to ensure that you have like effective communication internally in your company so that as a CEO and whatever it is, exec team or whoever's at the top, they're not being bogged down by all the day-to-day operational problems so that the people in place to actually fulfill that can actually go and fulfill that, working with each other. That's the whole point of a team. You're saying well, that- Well, not just that, but you can't answer all the qua- cross-department exactly. questions. Exactly. It's not possible. You don't have enough knowledge. You'll get to the certain sides that you won't have enough knowledge to be able to make sure that that's a smooth handoff and a smooth transition department to department. Exactly. So you're saying in order to make sure that it does become a smooth transition, you have to figure out each department in your business who is their client. And what you mean by that is, and you use the example, like, and I'll, I'll say it this way, marketing, right, has to be pretty close relations to sales. Because if marketing is pushing a certain offer, sales has to know about that offer. So they have to support each other. That means marketing is the client of sales or vice versa, however that you know relationship yep. would work. Account management should be in really good relations with, you know, uh, the sales, right? Because if sales is selling something that, you know, they say, hey, I'm going to get you this much, this much, this much, and then they don't deliver on it in operations, you know, who has to deal with it? The account management team, the client success team, yes. right? Am I am I understanding yeah. that positioning correctly? hundred percent, yeah. So every you have to start if if you let sales be the client. So if you say, hey, our internal our, our internal customer is sales, then what is sales going to do? Sales is going to promise the moon, right? They're going to give all these extra things. They're going to give things away, and then when you get to operations, who has to actually deliver on that? You're going to have huge issues. So you, it's usually whoever's closest to the client and who has to own the bad stuff. If things go wrong, who gets in trouble? So do you have to name one internal client? Because I, I think I'm misunderstanding no. that. There, there's, one, there's, one, there's one main internal client usually, and then, but there's other departments that have other internal clients. So there could be more than one, but there's one main one. Absolutely. And so how, yes. do you, how do you go about, like tactically, how do you go about picking it? Does it always so, have to be so client whoever, facing? So whoever... So if things go south and things go really bad in your company, who owns that? Who gets yelled at? Got it. So, I mean, typically in agencies, it's just the client success leads. It's the people who deal with, Usually, with clients. Yeah. So, okay. So that's our... Now, some, it might be the marketing person, right? So there's marketing strategists who sit really close to the client and they have to answer a lot of those questions. So maybe it's that person. But whoever has to hold that trouble and whoever has to own it that's usually who the first customer that's going to be that. Now, who supports them? Mm. So who support, let's just use the, the, the account executive. The account executive, who supports that person to make sure that they can be successful so they don't get in trouble with the client? Got it. So figure out who that person, I mean, for me, it would probably be the video editing department, right? If we don't have the deliverables, they can't make it happen. If the deliverables aren't good enough, we're not succeeding. Exactly. And then, and then there's usually some kind of strategist in there. So you have somebody who's going to be in that department that's supporting 
and saying and pushing back and saying, we can't give the client everything that they want here because if we do that, the videos won't perform as well. But here's how we can meet that need to make sure that we are setting that client up for success and still giving them some of the things that they want. But so when it comes to having an internal client, like again, let's keep rolling with this example of which for most agencies, it will be a client success leader or an account manager. How does this tie into creating an effective horizontal communication? Like how do you support them as an internal client? Because you, your communications changes. So right now, all of your communication in your business, Derek, flows up to you. Mm -hmm. So you have, you have marketing flows up to Derek. Hey, Derek, is this the right way to do marketing? And you're, you say yes or no. And then sales says, Hey, Derek, we don't have enough leads. What should we do? And you say, Oh, we need to go to marketing. And then you have to go back. So it goes up and then back down to marketing. And then you say, Oh, onboarding's taking too long. Goes up to Derek, the CEO, and then back down to you, whoever else needs to support around that. Hey, we're losing clients, Derek. It goes up to you and goes back down. So you're your your communication is up, down, up, down, up, and cross lines, right? You want it to be horizontal. You want these these departments to be able to communicate across to each other. And the only way to do that is to create a hierarchy or some kind of system that it's really clear in everybody's head. And you have to map it out. I recommend that you actually put this on paper and that everybody understands this is who serves who in the company. Not They're not your boss. This is just who the client is. Uh, so this and is, so our mate. This is important. I, I don't mean to cut you off, Gary, but this is where the disconnect from me was. So now this is this is basically leading into the you know the next point, which is the org chart, right? So you're saying put it on paper, right? Put out all your departments, and you gave me this advice a couple of weeks back, and I will be completely accountable. I have not yet done this, which is a mistake. But um, you're saying put it all on paper, and then look at it and figure out, okay, who is the client-facing person? Which department and/or person under that department is responsible for client-facing stuff? They'll most likely get the brunt of it. Then check all your departments and see who supports them, and communicate mm-hmm. to your team that they should be communicating with each other rather than it going like this, where it goes to me yes. or the top and yep. it goes down. So talk to us about that. How do we go about doing that tactically? So let's talk about the org chart. So first thing that you want to do in your org chart is map out everything in your company, the kind of your dream org chart. So you, And we've talked about this in previous episodes. So you want to map everything out. Then you want to put yourself in every seat that you're sitting in. So you're probably sitting in 12 seats, right? And so you go through and every single one of them, you're putting your name, Derek, 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 Derek. Then you want to build out systems around those areas so you can free yourself from that. You're going to have to sit in those seats forever until you have systems to support people to come up and, and, and support you in those other roles. So that's the first thing. Once that's created, then you want to take and you fill up your org chart. You try to start bringing people in and putting people in the right spots to be able to support the company. Now, when you get to that place, you want to always make sure that you have upward movement. So how you do that is you create an empty org chart and you tell people, as we grow as a company, here's all the opportunities. So you have every single department, you have multiple department managers, you have uh, directors, you have vice presidents, you have C-suite, and even though you don't have any of those spots, so right now you're probably going, well, I don't have directors, I don't even have managers yet, right? That's fine. You wanna start putting that on paper and putting it in front of people because that will motivate people. That will put people in the mindset of, I want that position. I want this position. And some people will hit it. Some people won't. Everybody wants, or almost everybody on your team is going to want some kind of upward movement or opportunity for upward movement at least. And then what you want to do is you want to go through and you want to identify who are our A players 
who are our B players and who are our C players. And even if you don't have a lot of people on your team yet, you want to define who, what an A player looks like, what a B player looks like, and what a C player looks like. These aren't, it doesn't mean you fire C players. It just means a C player provides this kind of value. And these are the things that a C player needs to do to become a B player. And these are the things the B players need to do to become an A player. So now you have inside of each position, you also have tiers that you can mm. tell to your team. Mm. So you have all these opportunities where people can improve. People will not improve normally unless you give them this, this mental model for them to be able to view and look at. Then what you want to do, Derek, is you want to start to define every person in every department, if you can, what's their one thing? Yeah. What's what's their one thing that if they knock out of the park, you'll pretty much always be happy. Is on. that an individual basis or a department basis? Like, or both? You, you start with the. I would start with department, but I, ideally you want to get everybody to at least one KPI. But you start at a company your size, you can do it by person for sure. Now, hold on. When you say that, because I think there's a very big distinction. I'll, I'll be frank. I'm a little bit confused on that part of it. So when you say um, define that one thing for a department, let's use that as an example, or even as for yep. persons, and then you said KPI, does that mean there has to be a number to it? Do I have to attach some sort of number that's trackable to it? Or if I say, hey, that one thing is you need to be here and producing the best videos possible, and here's the systems to make you to, to make sure you're yeah, doing Yeah, no, it. that's not one thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, not that's one not thing. one thing. Okay. No, no, no. No, because you can't. That's subjective. Okay. Very subjective. Uh, you don't want it to be a subjective thing. So you don't want it to be an emotional. Like somebody, I was actually talking to somebody else about this yesterday, and they said, "What if they're just living out our core values?" That's that's the bare minimum to work here, is to live out our core values. Also, it's subjective. There, there's we can tell if someone's living them out, but is are they living it out eighty percent or ninety percent? That's just my opinion. You, their one thing should be measurable. This is why people don't feel secure in their jobs is when they don't have that measurable thing that, that, you can, that you can see. So what is a KPI? It's a key performance indicator. So if you say, if you just show up, <laughs> that's a horrible KPI. If you say, do awesome stuff, that's a horrible KPI. You can't measure it. Their definition of awesome is different than your definition of awesome. You want something. It might be the number of videos that they're able to edit. It might be the performance of those videos. Mm. It might be a churn rate. So a lack of losing customers. You want that churn rate as low as possible. It, but you want everybody to have one thing. Where people mess up is they try to give everybody 100 things. So here's 100 KPIs. Hit all these KPIs. Not possible. Start. What is the most crucial thing that this individual can bring to the company? And if they do it, no matter what, you're going to be stoked. Got it. Got it. So find that one thing. And that one thing can't be broad. It can't be emotional. It has to be something that's trackable. And like, again, so examples are often really what helped me. So you're saying things like churn rate, things like uh, meetings booked, things like uh, how many videos are produced, things like how many new clients are booked or stuff like that. Um, any yes. others that stick out that people should note when they're doing something like this? Yeah. So for us, it's sales is how much did they sell? How much setup cost and MRR do we have coming in from that? Now, sales has a bunch of KPIs underneath it that yeah. they measure. Yeah. So they have number of appointments and and a number of closes, number of second appointments, number of emails, all these other KPIs that go underneath that. But really, I only care about that top number. That's the number I really care about. Mm. How much did you sell? How much are you? And then, then we get into projecting and things like that. We'll talk about that another time. 
but then the next department, we measure the number of subscriptions that are starting this month. How long was their onboarding time? It sounds like onboarding. That's a big, yeah. yeah. How long was onboarding? You want to pay attention to that. I don't want it to be a year. I want it to be a month. You know what I mean? Or whatever. And then you want to measure churn rate. You want to measure MRR. Yeah. Monthly recurring revenue. That's different than your sale revenue. Totally separate. There's different levers that you pull to make those go up or down. Yep. And then you want to measure uh, your, the other one that I think is really important is our team's overall health. Hmm. How are they feeling day to day? How is the team this week? And I measure that every single week. Those and then total revenue. Those are the main things that, that we look at. There's others that you can go into. And then there's things, there's five or 10 things underneath that. But each director has that one thing that they're answering for. Got interest. Oh, the other one is performance. So mm-hmm. we measure marketing performance. We set lead goals for all of our clients. And we want to be at 97% of deliverable of those lead goals. Mm-hmm. And that's the KPI for that. So that's the deliverable of the actual service. So then, Gary, for somebody who, like in my position, might not really have necessarily departments yet, right? And, you know, it probably will be a while till I actually have departments because, you know, I'm sales, I'm marketing, you know, I'm the, the producer, I'm the manager, it's me, right? And I think a lot of people listening might be in the same position. So when you're doing this and you're putting that one thing to a department, or let's talk about a person, right? Because for me, it's not a department, I have to go to a person. Should I be comfortable yep. changing those? Like if I say, hey, this month, Month, you know, or this after a month, hey, business radically changed. This has to change. This KPI needs to be different. Now, your one thing is changing, or do I not do that? Well, it depends. It depends on how fast you're growing. So, I've changed, we've changed our numbers and our targets all the time because we've grown really fast. Mm-hmm. So, I will say that the best way for me, if I was in your shoes, what I would do, and some people would disagree with this, but what I would do is I would go to the person sitting in that seat and ask them what they think this KPI should be. Mm. so i have to set a baseline for you how many sales calls do you think you can set up every month here's historically what you've done is that is that the most we can do can we do more and then and then you can tie in bonuses and all those kind of things behind it it. got it got it so just ask the team ask the team yeah ask the team ask the people who are doing it now for you you're gonna set kpis for yourself too because once you have all these top line kpis then you're going to be able to project so you're going to be able to say, if we hit all our KPIs and our churn stays where it's supposed to be, then this is where we'll be in six months and three months and two months. Yep, I have and that. not everything's going to work properly. So then you have to get better at projecting. So sales didn't hit their numbers. Now what? Yeah, f- now we have to change our projections. For me, that was that was pretty easy. I've had that for a while. It was always at least one new client uh, added every single month, and now it's become five thousand dollars in new MRR every single month, and I have to do that consistently to uh, until December to get to the fifty k a month MRR, which is the goal, as you know from the mastermind. Uh, and so far, the last three months, I've actually been on track. So we've done minimum five k new MRR, which has been awesome. Um, but yeah, that's incredible. exactly that's all it is. That's all it is. So now you have that number. So now you know. But you know intuitively how many sales calls do I need to go to to make that number happen? And then how many outreaches do we have to do to make that that sales call total actually happen? You're doing it intuitively. Your team's not going to do it intuitively. Also, they start to segment. So we talked about this. Remember, we're talking about cross-department. If you want to continue to have this kind of communication in your company – then you're going, it's going to be harder. But if everybody knows what everybody else's KPIs are and you start to talk about them on a team meeting 
and saying, here's what their KPI is. Are they, is it on track, off track? Then people are going to start to take ownership of those numbers and start to hit them. And that's going to impact each department. Because if you, if you started to sell $10,000 every month of MRR, mm-hmm. let's just say that, right? So you're overperforming, which is a good problem. Yeah. But that also becomes a negative to another department. Yeah. Your video editors are going to say, hey, Derek, if you keep this up, we're not going to have enough bandwidth to be able to support what you're doing. Yep. So this ties really well into the next point and about timing and hiring, right? So like, when do you know? When is it time to hire? But real quickly, the last note on the org chart, though, accountability, right? It sounds to me like the one thing, the whole purpose of that is like keeping your team accountable. Like, how do you keep them accountable? You give them that one thing. You can measure the number and you know, hey, you're supposed to do 50. You did 45. Why did this happen? Is there something I could have yes. done to support you? Were you missing something? Do you need support or did you just not do it? And then you go from there. Was that right? hundred percent. And, and, and what I will say is this, as a leader, what you have to get really good at is not questioning people's motives, just questioning their methods. So a lot of times as a leader, we'll think things like this. I'm just telling on myself, Oh, they didn't hit their KPI because they're not working. They're playing video. Oh, I do that all the time. (laughs) Okay. So you can't do that. Yeah. You have to assume that it's their methods. So you, and it may be true. Maybe they are playing video games. And you, and if they are, you have to get to that core of that and you have to figure that out. But you can't go in and question everybody that way. You have to go in and assume that they are trying their best and they really want to hit this KPI because you've communicated it clearly. They've communicated that they want to hit it and that they're doing the things necessary. So then if it's, hey, Derek, let's pretend it's me and you. So I say, hey, Derek, you were supposed to do get 50. You only hit 40. So tell me, walk me through some of the things that you've been doing that why you think that you missed that. And the important thing here, Derek, is that they're able to diagnose the problem, not necessarily provide solutions yet. Hmm. Diagnosing is more important than solutions. If you can't diagnose, if you're just like, well, I don't know, I just missed the mark. That's a problem. You can't, you are not the person that's going to be able to provide solutions for that. Even if you do provide solutions, it's probably not the right answer. But if you can diagnose the problem, then you have somebody who can actually provide a solution. So I would say, Derek, why'd you, what, what, like what happened? How can I support you? What, what resources do you need to be able to make this happen? Because we hit 40 this week. We were supposed to hit 50 and this should happen on a weekly basis. Mm. So every week it's feeding up into your big goal. You don't want to wait a whole month and you miss the mark. And then from there, what we're going to start to do is uncover more KPIs. So you're going to say, well, if our goal is to hit 50 and I'm only hitting 40, I think what happened was I didn't take enough calls for me to hit 50. I think I need to have a hundred calls and I've only been doing 60 calls. And so now it's like, oh, so your new KPI is actually 100 calls every week. Can you do you have the bandwidth for that? Yes, I do. Okay, great. So 100 calls. So now we have two KPIs. Now we have, I want 50 closes. And to get those 50 closes, I need 100 calls every week. Mm, that's big. And then, you, and, you, and then from there, it's like, well, I, you, let's say you miss it again. Derek, did you, you only got 40 again, but you did your 100 calls. What happened? Yeah, 20 of the calls that I took were actually not the right kind of client avatar. Mm. Ah, okay. So then now we have to go where? Back to marketing. Yep. Hey, marketing, you guys are sending sales the wrong kind of leads. Mm. Now we have the cross department. Now you can see how these KPIs start to affect each other. That's perfect. So then listen, it ties back to you probably what's going to be, this episode was really valuable for me, but one of the most valuable points of it, because once you have your org chart, once you have all of this in place, 
the next part's like, hey, when do I know it's time? Like, I need to put someone here. I need to put someone there. So, Gary, walk us through that. When do you know it's the right time to hire? So, I've totally failed on this. So, I'm your prototypical entrepreneur who's, let's just hire. Hire, hire, hire. If I can't hire fast enough because I'm going to sell sell all the accounts. And the problem is you run out of money. You you can out-hire your, no matter how fast you're growing, you can always out-hire it. So, what I really recommend is to read profit first. This really helped our company. And you really want your profit to dictate your growth. Now, I will say this. This is a warning. You cannot have rapid growth and massive profits at the same time. Doesn't exist. And everybody's going to try, but it doesn't exist. Amazon's the best example of this. Amazon wasn't profitable forever. Why? Because they wanted to keep growing. They had a total big picture mission and they kept just reinvesting. Growth is expensive. Okay. So take that disclaimer, put it in the back of your head. Now I'm going to teach you the model. The model is this right now in your business, you operate as revenue minus expenses equals profit. And you just say, Hey, as long as I get more revenue, then I get more expenses. And then eh, I'm kind of left over with just some money left over. Right? That's the wrong way to look at it. What you want to do is you want to do revenue minus profit equals your expenses. Hmm. And so you want that profit to be taken out of your expenses or your revenue up front. And then that leaves you over what you're allowed to spend. And when you have enough to spend, then you go hire people. Now, when you have rapid growth and you're saying, man, we really want to invest in the growth, then you lower how much profit that you're taking off the table. Maybe it's 5% you're only taking 5% or maybe you're only taking 3%, whatever the number is. And then during times where you're growing and you don't need more support, then you start to ratchet up that profit. So you say, maybe we're taking 20% now. That varies based on what you're trying to accomplish as a company and how fast or how much you're innovating as a company. When you get to a place where you're just growing, but you're not really innovating and it's not rapid growth, it's not like, hey, we tripled, but you're just steadily growing. That means you're doing more of the same thing over and over and over again. You're not reinventing the wheel. That is where you can take more profit. Now, the other thing you can do, Derek, is, so that's the first thing. So I'd build that model out first. So you have that and you have that in the back of your head. And as the leader, you have to decide that. That's one of the hard things about being a leader is you have to decide how much profit are we going to take off the table and put away for a rainy day or how much are we going to reinvest into the company? No one can decide that for you. Then from there, what you want to do is now that you have KPIs for your team, you have they, they have output. So you know how much they can output. Then when before you go and hire the next person, you have the systems and the output number that you're going to be getting from that individual. So now you can start to make projections. Got it. Okay, that's huge. So you're saying, tying everything you've been discussing today all together, you're basically saying step one right? Step one is you really, really, really have to make sure just as you go through all of this, don't give people too high titles, right? So don't be like, hey, you're going to be uh, CFO. No, you're just a hired a consultant account, whatever. It doesn't matter. But, you know, don't give them too high titles. Don't go too high on salaries. Don't hit your ceilings right away. So there's always room to, you know, negotiate, always room to play around with that stuff. You also have to know, you know, 
what does your dream org chart look like, right? You got to lay it out on paper, see who's doing what now. And then the really important part, which has stuck with me since this, for the, from this conversation, is the KPIs. You have to get people to be accountable for their numbers and you have to attach a number to a department and to a person. What does the department have to do? How many, what's the revenue? What's the, uh, you know, uh, views on the accounts that we're getting, right? That's like an important KPI. Are we getting an increase in followers? I'm just, I'm just making it up. But what's, you know, your yeah. ad spend, stuff like that. Yeah. Attach that number, if you're, if you're small and you don't really have departments like me, to a person is what you're saying, Gary. And if you're yeah, way bigger, yeah. like someone in your position, to a department. And then, you know, people... To a department. But then, but still, it boils down to people. To people, you, yeah. You, we're always pushing to, like, let's make sure everybody has that one thing or that those KP, list of KPIs. And here's the other thing I'll add to that, Derek. Sometimes as business owners, we go, oh, that's kind of like, it makes me feel greedy. It's not. It actually is that individual will feel much more secure in their job if you as the leader come to them and say... Look, I know your job's huge. You do a lot of complicated stuff. You do a lot of hard stuff and you're really good at it. But this main thing right here is how I'm going to judge you. And if you hit it, I'll always be really happy. Sure, we might change things here or there. We might say do it this way rather than this way. But if you hit this one thing, I'll always be happy with you. And if we're missing it, then we have to talk through how to figure out how to hit it. Mm -hmm. If you do that, then it makes it so clear in the person's head that you're happy or not without them having to talk to you every day. It's really that one thing. And I think that that one thing, you know, one thing is going to make it so much easier to communicate because you know how to keep people accountable. They know how to keep themselves accountable. And there's not going to be an if, and, or, but like, oh, you know, it's not opinion based. Like if it comes to the point yes. where like, hey, we have to terminate you for whatever reason, there's not an opinion based. It's just data and numbers. It's, hey, you told us this. We agreed. It wasn't happening consistently. We tried to help and it didn't happen. I think that that's very valuable. But look, I mean, once you have that, once that's all in place you have to learn about who to hire when to hire right i mean that, that that's where that trick is you know that's one of the hardest things for me is you know figuring out when to hire uh how to hire profit first you you inform me about this this framework i actually read a book richest man in babylon i think you know that same book. thing yeah i, I read that same book thing. like two years ago during covid um and mm -hmm. i started implementing that in my personal life and then you told me about profit first i did not read profit first but i get the principle 100 percent. and you know actually I'll, I'll tell you in my business right now i really am in a position where we have steady growth and we're keeping higher profits because in the event that that, you know, a recession comes or, you know, I think we already are in one, we're in a really strong position because we've got cash. And so I can keep paying my employees yep. and, and I feel yep. like more stable right now doing that. Uh, but and, and, and a lot of people think, here's one thing that I used to tell myself, if people know that we're like making a profit, nobody's going to want to work for us. They're going to think we're greedy. Mm. It's the exact opposite. Yep. Why do people want to work for Apple? Because it's a super secure job because they make a boatload of money yep. and they save a lot of their money and they're very profitable. Why do people want to work for Google? Because they make a boatload of money and they save a lot of their money. The profit margins are like 20% yep. and, and they, they make billions of dollars. It's safe. So that's what people want. And so when you don't, don't get it, don't tell yourself a false story on that. Yeah, that's super valuable. And Gary, he actually told me about this a while ago as well. And that helped me a lot because I was in a position where, and a lot of you might be struggling with this as well, where you might be like, oh, I want to, and you know, I want to do rapid growth, but I don't want to spend more money. You know, I want to keep this money, but I want to grow rapidly. And like Gary said, I've been trying. It doesn't work. Everybody's going to try. I feel like everyone's going to have to try. It doesn't work. But, yeah. but the important thing, and please, Gary, I'd love your insight on this, but 
even if you're taking more profit off the table and you know saving that right for a rainy day or whatever that is, you can still grow. It just won't be exponential growth. You probably won't 10x, but you'll yeah. still get new clients every month. And the beauty of that is, say yeah. for arbitrary numbers, say for example, 10k is your you know profit first. You want to make sure that you're hitting or whatever that percentage is or whatever that number is. If you get a new client and then adds another 10k in MRR, right, you just have the ability to spend an additional 10k while still keeping that 10k. So you're still going to grow, right? It just won't be 10x as opposed to if your number was 5k. And you could keep and invest 15k, right? Is that profit yeah. first model? Understand correctly? Basically, so the the big thing that I would say is is when you're doing one thing and you're doing that one thing over and over and over again, you you can still grow. You can even double, but it, you're you're not going to be able to like innovate and do new things. So when like what you're doing, you edit podcast shows, and you've done it over and over and over again, and you're building a streamlined machine. But if you have to go build another machine to do another thing, that machine's going to move slower because it's newer. You're going to have to go through all the hiccups that you went through when you started. You're going to have to build out all the systems for it. And then you're going to have to invest and get it wrong and then invest again, get it wrong before you get it right. That's That costs money yeah. and takes people and capital and human capital. That all costs money. So when you start to do that, you have to be okay with, we're using up our profit to do that. We're doing, like as an example right now, we're putting a lot of our profit back into building an application that tracks all the dental marketing, which is a separate company. So we're taking to build something else so that way we can continue to grow into the future. We're investing into our future. Hmm. That's different than if you said to us, hey, Gary, let's open up another marketing company that is uh, for auto mechanics. (laughs) Well, that's going to take a lot of capital. And it's going to take a lot of learning and I'm going to have to go learn it. Can I do it? Yes. Have I even worked with auto mechanics in the past? Yes. Do I understand some of the structure of it? Yes. Do I understand it to the level of dental? And are we built out to the level of dental? No. That costs money. You have to put money into build that infrastructure out. Yeah. I mean, that's super valuable. It's a super valuable framework. And, and, and so many people get it wrong. It's like you can take the profit first and then use everything else as expenses, you're still winning at the end of the day because you know there's money left in the bank, but you're still reinvesting. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's such a simple thing, but it's it's really, really brilliant. And for me in school, when I was in school, nobody talked about stuff like this. No, no, it's such this. a it's simple this, yeah. thing. It's like you go to work, you know, W2 job, and you have your salary. And, you know, a really good example of this, actually, a really good example is, you know, comparing what a W2 salary looks like as opposed to a business, right? The business makes money. Uh, spends and then pays taxes. An employee will have to make money, pay Pay taxes, taxes then spend. (laughs) It's it's a tiny shift, but it makes a world of a difference sometimes in the tens of thousands it's about a of dollars 20, yeah 20, 10 it's, it, well I like to work on instead of like actual dollar amounts the percentages yeah. so it's like a 10 to 30% difference in it's tax huge. brackets it's huge like it overall huge. of overall money right so however much money you're bringing in 10 to 30% of that you're going to swing in a different way yeah it's it's insane they it don't is. teach I don't know why they don't teach that in school <sighs> You know, I don't know, Gary. I really don't know. I, I wish I knew. But, uh, I mean, it, it gives us the opportunity to help people who are listening and watching. So if you're still watching at this point of the episode, 40 minutes in, you guys mean the world to us. Probably one person is listening, maybe two or three as we grow. And for that, uh, Gary and I are extremely grateful. So I hope that this video provides you value and this this podcast. Gary, is there anything else that you think the audience should know? Yeah, if you DM us and send us a random color, we'll shout you out because we don't think anybody listens to the end of these shows. So we're going to keep saying this until we get somebody to actually 
uh, call that out. Because Derek check. and I have been debating, should we work on the <laughs> outros? I'm like, bro, no one listens to it. And it's like, so I'm, and then, so now we're, we're going to start checking on that. I didn't check my DMs. I have to go check my requested DMs to see if somebody sent us a color. I don't think they did. But guys, if you're listening, send us a random color. We will shout you out. You know, this is a real test. Thank you guys so much for watching. Check us out on TikTok, Instagram, Reels, YouTube Shorts. We post daily, sometimes more than once. And we'll be releasing longer form clips on YouTube soon. So stay tuned for those. I'm really excited. I can't wait for those. I'm really, really excited. Yep. Guys, thank you so much. Till next time.